ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to Open Discussion Podcast. I have a very special friend with me on here today. I've known this guy for what, 20 years now? 21, 22 years? Man, something like that. Ever since 2001. 2001, yeah. That's when I came to Bragg, 2001. Unfortunately, he picked me to be his best man for his wedding, I guess. You you, you ran out of folks. You know, hey, man, can you come and step in? Oh, man. But hey, man, I appreciate it, man. You know, my... uh, I have a very high respect for you, man. We uh we we both served together. I mean, you know, both as, as E5 and and deployed together. Like I was telling somebody the story not too long ago when it was over the uh, the hotel district. Right? Remember that little VBIED hit? Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Kick it off the bed. It was rough. Yeah. But again, I just want to say, man, I appreciate your service. You know, I know you retired a couple of years ago uh, out of Fort Sill. Now you are resettled back at uh, the Fayetteville, North Carolina area. Again, I want to say I appreciate you coming out to, uh, to uh, the podcast just to uh, tell folks about your story and who you are and, and what the Army life is, is, is all about. And uh, the question I usually ask folks, man, when they come on here, really, you know, is why did you serve? Because we all have different reasons for serving. Well, the, the reason I joined was because I graduated high school, didn't have no desire going to no college. So, you know, I was doing like factory type jobs, really won't, you know, it wasn't for me either, really. You know, I was doing some other little stuff, you know, some stuff that's, you know, a little illegal. I thought I'd got myself in a jam. So I said, well, you know what? I got to get away from here because this, this path I'm on right now is either going to lead to two things and, you know. Then I had like I had family members that was my uncle was in the Air Force. I had some cousins. They was brothers too. Two cousins. They was in the army. And I was like, man, the army, you know, won't too bad. Looks looks look like a pretty good life. These guys look like they're doing pretty good. So that's that's kind of the reason why I joined is, you know, but the main reason is to get away because I knew that if I would have stayed in, at home, I would probably be in probably be in jail. Oh, okay. So the part of Virginia you came from, was it a, a big town, a small town? It was it was a small country town, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't have a bad life, you know what I'm saying? I had a mom and dad in the house. I had structure, but you know, some kids you can have all the structure in the world, but yeah. you gonna still want to do some other stuff. But like I say, it was just you know, I, I didn't grow up in no gangs or nothing like that. I just I just wanted some money. I, I kind of got off track a little bit, but and I said, you know what? I need to get away because right now. This is going to head the wrong direction. Plus, my wife, you know, I've been knowing her for, I don't know, probably ever since I was born. I don't know. I, I, I keep asking myself, what, what, what's she doing with you anyway? She can do better. Man, you know? <laughs> I mean, we, we grew up together. And I, I would say I give her some credit, too, because she wasn't about the kind of stuff that I was into as far as, you know, the, the legal type stuff. You know, I, she might have gave me an ultimatum. I don't know. I can't remember. All in a nutshell, you know, it was a lot of stuff that had that, that kind of guided me in joining the army. But that's amazing, though. So when you when you first enlisted, because you came from a different life, right? Like you said, you was out there doing some things that uh, you believe was necessary for you to join the military to change your lifestyle, as far as what you were doing so far. But overall, how were you able to adapt as you transition from one, you know, rank or one responsibility or one duty station? It's easy for me to adapt to the military because, I mean, I wasn't the type of guy that went against the grain all the time. So I could listen and, and take advice from people. So it was pretty easy to adapt to the military. Then once I got in the military, as far as like going to duty stations, I went to Fort Riley, straight out of basic. So I'm still a kid. Then I went to Fort Bragg in 2001. That was a little different. You, you could see the difference in the environment. It's more minorities. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it was kind of more of your, you know, it's, I guess, more of your culture, I guess, because, you know, it's more. And then when I got the light, 
you know, I had to adapt to that too, because, you know, it was more of not minorities. You can attest to this. How many people, how many minorities in the bedroom when I got there? It was probably, I could probably about 10 or 15. Yeah, probably less than that. We was over there if you come meet you and Hutch and all them boys. It was it was yeah. less than 10 probably. So, I mean, yeah. I had no issue adapting to personnel, but it was just, you know, when you come from heavy and then you go to light, it wasn't like the 82nd though. You could tell like the discipline level in the unit and the discipline level in the 82nd when I got there. It was like, it was, it was, it was a little different. I could see it and I was like, whoa, okay, this is a little different. But I mean, it was, it was better though. I liked that structure that I had in the 82nd at the time. Now, I don't know about now. Oof. I don't know about now. So is something you, you kind of, you, when you left Riley, right, you came with Simon for Bragg or you really for Bragg because, and just a follow-on question to that, because a lot of folks, as far as you did this, as far as mechanizing it, like, with maybe second world, you and I had to deal with what not just learn your job, but also learn airborne operation, because that's a huge aspect of it. You know, now you come in, because you and I came in at the same time, right? We didn't come in second as a private, we came in as E5, you know, young E5 or season E5. Now you have to learn a life fighter, I mean, as far as on how to fight life, but also you have to add the airborne operation piece to that. You know, that just create a whole new different complexity to it, right? How were you able to like maneuver through that and, and balance that? Fort Bragg is only two, maybe two and a half hours away from me and my wife's hometown. So that was priority number one. I need to get back. I need to get close to home because you know, that's all I've been around was home. So when I was in Fort Riley, you know, I was, you know, coming up on my reenlistment, I was like, I want to go to Fort Bragg. I want to go to Fort Bragg. That's what I told the reenlistment officer. And he was like, well, um, only way you can get to Fort Bragg is you go airborne. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm pretty sure I did it for you too. When you was in basic, right? You was like, you know, you're finishing up basic. And they be like, oh, you want to go airborne? You go over here, you know. You know, I was like, no, nah, I ain't going no airborne. I ain't jumping on no dad blame plane. I got to Fort Riley and I was like, yeah, I want to go. I want to go to airborne. This guy can tell me, oh, well, you got to be jump qualified or something. I was like, what? I said, I got to be jump qualified to go to Fort Brazy. Yeah, man, you got to be airborne qualified. I was like, all right, I guess I go airborne school. So basically, that's how I went to airborne school, just to get the brag. If, if I could have got the brag without going to airborne school, you would never met me, guy. <laughs> I know. Airborne was not in my vocabulary. Nah. Jumped out of plane, that sounds crazy to me. But right. sometimes you do crazy things for for love. And well, not not for love, but for, you know, if you want to get somewhere, you you try some crazy stuff. And airborne was one of the craziest things that I've tried to get close to home. They had non-airborne unit artillery units down the street in uh in 18 fires. And I'm like, yeah, see, I got suckered into this one. You know, I enjoyed my time at ASAC. I met some great people. I mean, you know, I met you, I met a whole lot of people. Great people. I think the army is just like a big foster home. You know, some people, you know, you, you go to a unit like foster care. You meet a bunch of good f- friends, a couple, three years. Next thing you know, you make you off to another foster home. Lucky for me, I stayed at Fort Bragg from 2001 to 2015. So I kind of yeah, like stayed okay. there. And, you know, I didn't really, it didn't really, I didn't really care about leaving either, to be honest, because, you know, I was close to home. I got to go to a drag strip, drag strip with my, with my family and friends. And, you know, I was living the dream then. The guy said, hey, guy, you got to leave. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> man, that's amazing, man, really, because, you know, when we first met, you know, we were still trying to figure things out, really, on how, 
you know, things work in every second. For me, I don't know if, it's, if it applies to you because, you know, and I got the brag. I was under the impression here, you know, you would surf in a position based on your rank, you know, meaning, you know, if you're, you know, if you're an ATC, ammunition team chief or a gunner, you know, that's an E5 position. Yeah. But when I got there, they had EFC in the spot, so I had to fight for my spot. So how was that transitioning yeah. from heavy light for you? Was there an obstacle on the way and things you had to go back to be the man, you know? I mean, it was, I ain't going to say rough, but it was challenging because, you know, you, you heavy and light is two different ball games. I mean, you yeah. sitting in the pallet and, and just putting the round on the tray and all this, you go out there and light. And when I, my first field problem on light, we pull up and I thought the Humvee was on fire. <laughs> man, you see stuff flying out the back, out the side. I'm looking like, what in the world is going on here? And, you know, as far as like, you know, I'm an E5, right? I don't know nothing. So I'm I'm a, I'm a private E5. Yeah. Basically, you think about it. I don't know how to do advanced party. Well, I mean, you know, in heavy, they didn't really, they didn't really do that. Like, you know, like 82nd light unit. Because light, light unit, you did it every time you went to the field. Yeah. You got to do it every time you go. But in a heavy unit, shoot, you getting that thing and push one of them buttons up there and roll out. You don't do no advanced part unless you go degrade it. And that ain't happening. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah I, yeah, I was, you know, as an E5 coming to a new unit, you, it was harder. Yeah. Because for one, like you say, PFCs has been there maybe a year or so. And these guys, and, and they hungry. Back in the day, the Chiefs, they didn't play that. They didn't play that rank. You either knew your no. job or you didn't. And they'll put yes. an E5 there just to show you, hey, your rank don't mean nothing here, guy. You got to get the job done. It was it was a struggle at first because I didn't know nothing about no advanced party. I ain't know nothing about no ammo team chief. I ain't know, you know, all the heap oppositions was ammo team chief and gunner. And, you know, if you was really squared away, you could be a chief. But I don't even know if we had E5 chief when I got there. Yeah, I think it was E6. they were all squared away. So you won't get that. By the time I was given the opportunity to be a, a real gunner or a chief, I had something clicked then. I was like, okay, I got it now. You know, both just understanding my position but trying to, you know, connect the airborne piece to it. When did it click for you, really? I knew that it was no games there you know, as far as, yeah. I mean, I knew I had to learn my job to, to, I guess, to even be a little successful. I mean, I wanted to learn it, too. I mean, the first day I went, it was just kind of crazy. I was like, what is going on? But once I started learning a little bit, it started getting, you know, once st stuff started getting easier, it started kind of like got a little more confidence and stuff. I think there's other thing folks don't talk about, right? Deployment and just the impact of, of being away and just being in an environment where you know there's a possibility things may, may, go, may go south. But as we went forward, right, we, we deployed. So we deployed, I think, twice together. The first one was uh, doing an invasion. So you guys went forward. I was in b and I met you guys up there. And then the second one was doing, yeah, man, over at Camp Falcon, Five Falcon, over, over Highway 8. You know, how were you um, ever? Because back then you were already married already. For me, I wasn't married. So I didn't understand the importance of having family back at home and whatever. So how was that for you? It would navigate your deployment. I, I put it to you like this. Your marriage is the most important thing when you're deployed. Because if you don't have a foundation at home, can't be over here thinking about what's going on back there. Yep. So that's what my wife was phenomenal. You know, I, I didn't have no worries about anything. She took care of everything. I ain't no worries about her, like, stepping out on me and nothing like that. But, you know, you have some guys that don't have that. My wife is, you know, she she held it down. And that's the biggest thing for me is is if you married, you got to have a good home. Because yeah. you don't, you know, your life could be really on the line because you ain't going to be focused. Yeah, you're right. 
you know, we had some long days, man. And then, you know, from uh, the first deployment to the second one over the green zone, I think it was one of the best one. But at the same time, when I sit back and really, you know, think about how we maneuver, right? If you think about it, how things were back then, if we adopted the same concept, you know, a year after that, things would have been pretty rough for us. I mean, we did pretty good, really. But there was some, when I sit back and really assess what we did so far, remember we had three different hotel wings of war from one place to the next yeah. dining facility. We did patrol all over the city. You know, I mean, we were very exposed and all that stuff. And, and, and did that ever, as far as impact you in any way, as far as just overall deployment? I understand, you know, you have to go into any details. For me, you know, what I, I wasn't married during the first two deployments until my my last department really into Afghanistan. That's why I was married, really. You know, I mean, I know you say your wife had had your back. She had the foundation because I saw a lot of guys and girls went through the whole divorce process. And it was it was terrible for them. Yeah. And some folks came back, you know, mentally, they were somewhere, you know, not there because of what they experienced in deployment. We, yeah. we, we saw some things ourselves. You know, overall, how were you able to cope, really, you know, with all those deployments? The deployments we had the first two, they, they wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, we walked around in um, the hotel district. I guess we were just blessed, man, because yeah. those patrols we was on and you just walking around. And I mean, it ain't like when I was in Afghanistan, when you walk around, you don't see nobody. And any any moment, something could have popped off. It would have been rough. Yeah. I just prayed, man, because it was different walking around out there with all those people. And you don't know who is who. You don't know who going to pull out a gun and start shooting. Yeah. And you, that just... You know, we had some good leaders too, though. So, I mean, yeah, yeah we had we had Ranger Rambo train over there trying to yeah. had us doing patrol at two o'clock in the morning, rehearsing yeah, on campus. It helps. Yeah, that's the thing, though. You need that because if you don't get proficient at it, you know, when you get in a situation, muscle memory might kick in. It could save, you know, somebody's life or your life. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like we had some good leaders, and they had us do the things that they. Felt like we needed to know and do to stay alive. And that's probably why a lot of us made it out of there. Because I don't think we lost nobody. And no, we didn't lose nobody. You know, we walked around around people. And I guess. We were exposed. We were exposed. Remember that night? I was telling somebody not too long ago when we were, I think it was 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning, right? For me, that was a turning point for me because I was becoming very complacent. I ain't going to lie to you. Because, you know, we go on this patrol. Nobody's shooting at us. We're not shooting anybody. But we, you know, we have a good read of the population because we're in a very densely populated area. You got buildings, 10, 15, 20 story high, whatever. Yeah. And then our morning, after that VBID hit across the street from us, knock us. You know, we got knocked up a bed, a window shot or whatever. That triggers something in me. But you know what, though? Won't that almost like at the end of our tour? Yeah, the end of the tour, yeah. And did we have, the one we like trying to transition a little bit? Doing the left seat, right seat ride type deal. I tell you, it's right before that because after we left, the National Guard unit replaced us. They got hit. The hotel okay. itself got hit. Well, I saw it on the news, I believe. When they got yeah. hit that gate way down at the bottom. I tell you, that that that, that was, you know, because we never that whole time we've been there, we was, you know, you hear pop shots, I guess, but you know, none none to none to that magnitude as far as the, you know, blowing windows out and that that BB hit it. It was like, yeah, it was like, oh, you know, you never know what's coming behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, that just be a starter and it could be something else but yeah that was a scary moment but i feel like we still you know with the leadership we had we was prepared for just about anything really you know what i'm saying yeah i mean that's 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 a key what you just said man as far as the leadership because we were very blessed to have at the time you know we have uh captain Cobb, we have first son next and we had we had trent you know we have martinez lacoya yeah we had some good chief we had i think dawson was not with us then i think he left already but most important, I think the leadership trusted 
platoon level leadership and, and, and below. I think that's what Cobb and First Island Nation really, really did for us. You know, so as you look at your overall career, what would be some advice that you want to give out? So <clears throat> this is something you've been trying to tell me, and I'm just a hardhead. I would say for the current and the future soldiers is today's army, I believe you have to have some type of education because what's the one thing everybody wants to get in the army? Promotion? There you go. Promoted. And I learned this firsthand. And I was told this by a certain person that was sitting on one of these boards that the reason you didn't get picked up is because you didn't have no college. At this time, I was like, I I got my PT good. I was, you know, my yeah. I got evaluations, and I was like, dang. And that's that's what they told me in my face. But you know, I'm not. I want a college guy, man. I did. <laughs> my man, I got ADD, man. If you could be a section chief, you know, to understand the receive fire mission, employ indirect fire, look at safety team, and manage a section. But just imagine the level of responsibility you have, because once that projectile leaves that tube, it's your responsibility. And you will yeah. manage that. And not only that, you will manage the platoon, you know? So that, it is a huge responsibility. You don't give us that credit, man. That's a huge responsibility. It is. Yeah. But like I say, these kids, they get all the advice from all these orders. Don't do drugs. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, get the right place, right time, right equipment. They already know all that. I would say if you want to get promoted, then you, you got to have, you know, if you want to go up in the ranks. From E1 to E6 or maybe even E7, you might get by. You might want to have a little bit of education. Yeah, it goes a long way. Because you think about everybody, you know, a lot of people can get 300 on PT. A lot of people can get good good evaluations. But they want to see what you're doing to improve yourself as far as education. That's amazing, man. Hey, brother, I I really appreciate it, man. You know, I always talk to you. Thanks for your service, brother. This means a lot to us. For you to come out and really express and share your stories with with people, man. And then hopefully it can have some profound impact on a lot of folks out there who are currently serving or uh, potentially serve.